What's up you guys and welcome back to another video. If you are new to the channel here, my name is Brandon. In this video, we're gonna go over a couple of moves that I made over the previous week in my personal investment portfolio. If you guys appreciate these types of videos where I just kinda keep you up to speed with what I'm doing, a great way to show your support is by dropping a big thumbs up on the video. I'm gonna do my best to keep this video under 10 minutes, but we're actually gonna go over a stock that I bought as well as a stock that I sold. And if you do have any ideas or guesses what that stock is that I sold, I'd encourage you to leave a comment down below. But let's dive right on in today. The stock that I decided to add in the previous week in my personal RRSP, my registered retirement savings account, is the US company Visa. These stocks typically tend to be good holds in this account. I actually owned Visa for a number of years, but unfortunately for me, it was a smaller weighting than I would have liked. And this is why personally, as the stock has come down about 10%, I thought it'd be a great time to essentially buy the dip on this stock and work on building up my position in Visa. The ticker here is V, for those not familiar, it trades on the New York Stock Exchange today for $227, and they do have a very minimal dividend of 0.56%. For those that don't know my stance on Visa, briefly a few positives that I think are very notable with this company. This is one of the most high quality businesses that you can find out there. And if you caught our last video where we broke down the stock Magna, Magna International, one of the considerations that I talked about were the thin margins that the company operated with. Not necessarily a bad thing, but something to consider. If I can recall off the top of my head, Magna traded with gross margins from about the 13 to 15% range, operating margin was somewhere a little closer to seven. Well, let's take a look at Visa to show a very, very contrasting company with some extremely wide profit margins. Numbers like this really do light my eyes up as an investor, and I hope they do the same for you. If we take a look at gross margins over the past couple of years, they're essentially hovering in that 80% range. Now, operating margin as well, still extremely high, 64, 65, 67% range, and it just goes to show really the nature of this business. One of the major perks of how this business operates, believe it or not, I actually think there is actually more room to grow with these margins, even though they're already so high, because Visa is one of those companies where as they scale, as their network essentially strengthens, I mean, they already have millions and millions of merchants worldwide. I believe the number is about 44 million at this given point. They do business in over 200 countries across the globe. As of their last earnings report, they have 3.5 billion cards in circulation. And essentially what we're doing in this place is betting on a proven winner. We're betting on a proven leader in the industry. And yes, there are competitors. Obviously, we look at a company like MasterCard, which is another very fair play, as well as some smaller companies, maybe the Squares, maybe the PayPals. But to me, this network effect and this scale that they have, that's something that we shouldn't overlook. And it provides me a lot of comfort while investing in the company Visa. I personally like to identify and invest in companies that are showing signs of a natural tailwind, or essentially we could look at it is that their position in their industry or their sector has these things going for it. And with Visa, there's two very, very clear things very clear things that I see happening in the background. That is of course one, the inevitable shift that we are seeing to technology. So this would include things like, for example, more people making mobile payments, mobile payment systems, e-payments. When you look at a global scale and just see the rate at which technology is advancing and how it's becoming more widely adopted, especially when you look to places like third world countries or emerging countries, this is one of those inevitable changes that is happening that has Visa in a very, very strong position. That actually leads to my second point, which again, kind of plays off that emerging economy space and countries and people across the globe kind of 
modernizing is the world still in many ways deals in cash in many areas of the world. So cash payments, cash tender is still widely common, uh, not so much here in North America, but in many markets across the world. That is something that I do expect to change. And we've seen that in terms of the new payment options. I mentioned their mobile payments, tap as you go, credit cards, debit cards, prepaid cards, etc. Essentially, there is a trend working in Visa's favor and the entire industry, which is the world slowly and steadily easing off cash. One of the things that I think is worth mentioning with Visa, and I think it's a misconception that a lot of people have, is that I'd like you to keep in mind that Visa in and of itself is not a lender. In a sense, they're actually avoiding many areas of risk that the financial players do find themselves in, where they're lending out money when you swipe your credit card, and they're the ones that take the default risk. They're the ones that are subject to uh, you know missed payments and whatnot. That's actually not the case. Visa is just the facilitator. They're just there and they're just charging transaction fees, swipe after swipe after swipe. This to me is one of the clearest ways to get your financial exposure without taking on that risk that some of these big financial institutions or these big lenders take on. Another notable point that I think is worth mentioning and you're looking at a clipping right from their website is this new method that they're essentially rolling out and testing out which is the buy now and pay later or the installments type of uh, strategy. And reading here, consumers can buy now and pay later introducing installment payments. And why this space is important to me is if you are following along with the industry, we just saw MasterCard enter into the buy now pay space later in a big way with some investment. For additional history, in August, Square bought out a company called Afterpay for $29 billion. In September, PayPal bought a Japanese buy now, pay later company for $2.9 billion. And of course, Amazon, they as well have struck a deal in this space with a company called Affirm. What this shows to me is that there is demand for this type of payment option, especially when you're looking to buy, let's say, some larger ticket items. Here it says electronics, furniture, etc and being able to, in many cases, at 0% interest, just break those payments up, which is essentially giving the consumer more spending options and more reasons to use their cards or use Visa, MasterCard, et cetera, when it comes to purchasing these items. This is without a doubt a recent evolution in the space and only time will tell whether this type of payment method sticks around and whether consumers like it, I personally don't see why not. But when you see these big players making these investments, making these moves in the space, what this shows me with Visa getting into it as well is it's just a matter of staying ahead of the curve, giving their customers more options and essentially not getting complacent, which is something that you need to do when you're in a rapidly evolving space such as the technology or fintech financial technology field. One thing to mention with the company Visa is to acknowledge the fact that they do trade at a high earnings multiple. The price to earnings multiple today sits at 45 on a trailing basis. Their forward PE a little bit better at 32. Yes, the PE is high, but in my opinion, this is for a very, very good reason. And again, if you haven't caught that last video, I did a little blurb about why a company like Magna may operate and trade just kind of in general with a lower PE in the sense that investors may not be willing to pay a premium for a stock like that. They're not willing to buy, like, buy that stock up for a variety of reasons. And that may include things like the thin margins. I talked about the auto industry, which they're very heavily reliant on. It completely slipped my mind on the last video, but the chip shortages are a very serious issue in that industry. And again, being a company that's so exposed to that, there's a reason why investors may not pay a premium. Visa is the polar opposite of that, in my opinion. It's one of the few stocks in the stock market that can command these high uh, price premiums if we take a look at just a few key metrics that are important to us as investors, 
it's a completely different story. Gross profits are increasing, net margins increasing. Earnings per share or EPS, another way we could look at profits essentially on a per share basis, increasing. And this is a very efficient company with return on equity essentially hovering around 30%. There is a reason why the stock can command a premium. And to be honest with you guys, Visa is a stock that I've followed for years. Opportunities are slim with Visa. They're quite rare when you get the chance. So in my opinion, when you do see a pullback such as a 10%, drop as of the time of filming, it's a chance to nibble. It's a chance to buy more. Could the stock continue to drop? Absolutely, yes. But this is a long-term hold, a core position in my portfolio, very well suited for my RRSP for various reasons. A lot of people like holding their US stocks in the RSP. That's totally up to you. But regardless, for $227 today USD, this is a stock that I personally decided to add to my portfolio. Hey everybody, it's Brandon here. I'd like to interrupt today's episode very briefly to remind you that if you're looking for more training in the Canadian stock market, don't hesitate to check out our Investing Academy. You can join our private membership group and get access to our top stock picks, trade calls, portfolio insights, and a variety of tools that are helping our members all across the country better their own investing journeys. All it takes is one great stock idea or tip, and that alone can cover years and years of your subscription to our membership group. If you're looking for some additional video training to broaden your knowledge and expand your understanding of the stock market in Canada, we do of course offer a fully video online training program where you can learn from the comfort of your home amongst a variety of students across the country. Both of these products can be found at www.theinvestingacademy.ca where you can sign up for them online or schedule a call with us to learn more. Now back to our scheduled episode. Now let's jump over to the stock that I sold over the past week. And I'm very curious if any of you guys following along, along with the channel recognized what it was. I'll be very impressed and very proud if you guys did and it means you're a big follower. But the stock that I did decide to sell is the company Kirkland Lake, ticker KL. And this was actually in our Wealth Simple Trade series portfolio. So we are gonna be talking more about this when we do our ne next update. But I sold out of the entire position. Now, why is that the case? Well, if you were following along, you're well familiar that news dropped that this company is being bought out by a company called Agnico Eagle. The stock dropped about 10% on the release of that news. And luckily for us, we had been up previously. The stock was up about 10% because we ended up selling the position as essentially break even. I believe the profit was about 1.8%. But for me, that's just a break even cost. And it, you know, I'm happy that we didn't have to sell this stock at a loss because in a case like this, you know, I always get questions asking, well, when do you sell stocks? As a young investor or as somebody who's buying and accumulating shares, when are the times that you sell? And I've done multiple videos, which I can link up at the top, but some of the key reasons you'd sell are obviously if you um, are looking to take profits. So for example, a stock has done very well, you wanna trim back, maybe reallocate that money, maybe you wanna sell at a position. Another key reason is that the fundamentals of the company change to the point where your original thesis, why I own the stock, is no longer valid. And in the case of Kirkland Lake Gold, the fact that they are being bought out, I didn't buy this stock and Kirkland Lake to invest in Agnico. In fact, to be completely honest with you guys, I'm not even familiar with that company. And the question that I asked myself is, well, do I wanna take the time to go through and you know, do my research on this company? Is this a stock I wanna hold? And without even questioning it, it was just a simple case of, 
nah, it's not worth my time. I'm not totally in love with Kirkland that much that it needs to be a long-term hold in my portfolio. You guys know my background. The energy sector and gold sector are two sectors that I don't in particular like. I own some exposure just cause, but it's not like the be all end all for me. And the reality is when these mergers take place, not always the case, but often when these acquisitions take place and when two companies merge, when your company's being bought out, they do lose that that specialty about them. The culture kind of gets merged in, their operations get all mishmashed with the with the acquiring company, and now you're no longer investing for the gem that you found in Kirkland. You have to expect that this is going to be a brand new company that you're looking at. So that's a case where the fundamentals have drastically changed. Again, it's awesome the fact that this was a break even trade for me. Um, if the stock was down, in all honesty, down five or 10%, it might even be time to cut ties as well. To be clear, I'm not trying to say here that this stock is doomed for failure and that it's gonna be a terrible company to own after this deal takes place. In fact, it could be the exact opposite. This stock could do very, very well, but as an investor who went into a stock for a specific reason, that reason is no longer there. I'm willing to miss out on those gains and simply take that money that I had invested in the stock Again, no loss or gain to really report of and just find somewhere else to allocate that capital. So for those following along closely, I did sell the stock very similarly to where it is trading at today. Friday actually was when the sale took place at about $52 Canadian per share. And that is the company Kirkland Lake Gold. But hey, that'll be it for my video today, guys. Quick one, but hopefully you appreciate just a little bit of insight into what I'm doing. And you can kind of take bits and pieces from that. Look at the areas that I'm looking at. Look at the reasons why I'm either buying or selling stocks and apply that to your own personal investing practice. Because again, these are by no means recommendations for you to do the exact same thing, but I'm just sharing with you guys what I do. If you guys enjoyed the video, I would really appreciate it if you did take a moment and drop a big thumbs up. If you're not already subscribed to the channel, take a moment and subscribe. We post videos every single week. So hit the subscribe button, hit the bell for notifications. That way you know right away when we make a post. And last but not least, we do have our investing academy. As always, if you're looking for courses and training right here in Canada, Canadian focused in the stock market, click the first link down below and you can learn all about that. But as always, I thank you guys for watching. I hope you enjoyed and I'll see you in the next video.